Dear Lord, we thank you so much for the truth of that song, our eternal help, but really, more than that, more than just a help, you are everything, and everything is possible because of you. Thank you for going beyond merely assisting us in what we are doing, but rather being the director and the empowerer in our lives. Bless us as we open your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Congratulations to the Abraham family and welcome to all of you that have come to celebrate this occasion. Um, I want this family to continue having children for many reasons, but one reason is selfish. Because whenever they have a kid, I get invited over, and that is some good food. So I'm excited about that. Thank you, Dr. Atkin, for uh, the beautiful dedication. We appreciate it very much. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, Elder Atkin, but on two different occasions, I pondered you being my boss. Elder Hubert Cisneros called me on two different times to invite me to Ohio. Uh, my wife asked if I was really convicted this is what God wants us to do. I said no, and she said, well, then we're not going because I've looked it up, and it is gray as, as many days in Ohio as it is in Portland, Oregon, so we can't go there. Uh, we need to stay in the sun, but, uh, but it's been good to get to know you over the last couple years, and thank you for your dedication this morning as well. Of course, congratulations to Rebecca and Celan, little Nadia on little Asher, and we're so grateful for this family and for them, and they're just a tremendous, tremendous people, and we're uh, excited about all of our kids. That first Sabbath school room is so full, and um, I was thinking, okay, well, we're getting to the end of it. There's going to be some that are transitioning up to the next Sabbath school level, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm seeing uh, more and more bellies. Not, a, not, not, you know, not bellies like mine, but like bellies with babies in them. And uh, so congratulations to all those. And Christy and Nancy, I guess you guys will just keep having a full, a full classroom. Today we're going to look at a parable in Matthew 22. Before there, I want to set it up by sharing a little story with you. My senior year, one of our banquets in the Adventist system, we don't have dances, we have banquets. And my senior year at one of our banquets, it was at a place called the Dayton Racquet Club. I'd never been there before. It was in Katerina, Ohio. And uh, I didn't know anything about the Dayton Racquet Club. In fact, I thought it was kind of a sporting facility because it's a you know, Dayton Racquet Club. Um, I guess I do have some racquetball courts or something in the basement, but, but it turned out to not be quite as sporty as I thought. But that afternoon, the, the day of the banquet, the afternoon I was over in Indianapolis. I was dropping someone off and and uh, she was meeting her brother to take her back up to Andrews, and I was then headed back to the banquet. And on the way back, it began to snow, and I, and I, and I realized that I wasn't making very good time, and I thought, you know, I don't think I'm going to have time to go and change. I live down in Centerville, and, and the racket club was up in downtown Dayton. So I said, I don't know if I'm going to have time to change, and I looked at myself, and I thought, you know, I, I, I think I am dressed well enough to attend this banquet. 
I was wearing this uh, sweater from Structure. Anyone remember the old store, Structure? I think it became Abercrombie and Fitch or something. I don't know what it became, but Structure. I was wearing this old Structure sweater that I had, and uh, I always thought it was very nice, and, and I had it all the way up until after I was married, but I never wore it after my, I was married because my wife, on the other hand, did not find it to be very nice. And... Uh, and then I was wearing some khakis. I was wearing some khaki pants. I thought, well, those are fine, but, but they were frayed at the bottom, and they had some grass stains from some uh, uh, frequent rounds of golf. And, and, and then my shoes, which I've always maybe struggled a little bit with shoes, I looked down, and I was wearing um, my classic Birkenstocks with white socks, which, you know, is, is, a, is a great look for a banquet. I still remember the day that I was standing in a Kroger grocery store, random, uh, standing in a Kroger grocery store, and I was reading this magazine. It was talking about, you know, like, like five things you should never do in men's fashion. And I was reading this magazine. I still remember it. And they said, do not wear white socks with sandals. And I, and I remember looking down and thinking, man, this magazine knows nothing, obviously. Um, Katie, you remember the, the Birkenstocks? With, Katie went to high school with me. She knows those are my favorite shoes. Uh, so I was wearing those. And I thought, well, I'll show up at the banquet. It's okay. I don't need to go and change. I, I'm... I'm dressed nice enough, and I pull up to the building, and I park, and I was like, man, this, this is a pretty impressive building. It's the tallest building, actually, in Dayton, Ohio, and, and, I, and I got into the building, and I found out where the, the, the Racket Club banquet hall was, and it was up on the very top floor of the Kettering Towers, and so I ride this elevator up, and the doors open, and I turn left out of the elevator, and I step into this banquet hall, and I suddenly realize that I might be a little bit underdressed. This was definitely not the same as our last banquet at our school cafeteria. And that maybe this sweater, sweater and these frayed khakis and the Birkenstocks with white sandals was not the appropriate attire. But I thought to myself, ah, oh, it doesn't matter. I thought about running home for a second. No, no one's going to care. No one's going to say anything. They're just going to be glad I'm here. And I walk into the banquet hall and it turns out that everybody decided that they thought it was something they needed to comment about. Some of the, the teachers commented about on, was I trying to make a statement? Was I mocking the, the experience? My friends just basically made fun of me. Not the Birkenstocks and white socks because they thought that was cool, I'm sure, too. But everything else there. Everyone's dressed in tuxedos and nice gowns. And there I was with my structure sweater, my frayed khakis, and my Birkenstocks with white socks. My attire stood out. And people wondered what I was thinking. I had received the invitation to the banquet. I had uh, accepted the invitation. I had shown up. And yet I was out of place due to my dress. Maybe some of you have been in that situation before. I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 22. The book of Matthew, chapter 22, is the first book of the New Testament. Right after Malachi, Matthew, chapter 22. And in verse 1, Jesus begins a parable. The Bible tells us Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, verse 2 of Matthew chapter 22, The kingdom of heaven be, may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. 
The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment, and he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then, he, then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him out into the outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. There are many lessons to this text. There is a lesson of our need to respond, of course, to God's invitation. Romans chapter 3, verses 23 and 24 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But then verse 24 says, And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Paul in this text in Romans is telling us that all are justified, which means all have received the gift of salvation, all have received the invitation to come into the family of God. All sins are forgiven in the cross. But in our parable, we see that there are some that do not receive that invitation. They do not respond to that invitation. The king called people that, that should have known better, and there's a whole lesson there in, 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 in uh, the, the calling of God and the appeal of God. And he invited these people, but they ignored the invitation. They chose to stay outside of the fold of his blessing. He told them even of the blessing of, of them coming. They, they, he invited them, they did not come. And so then he began to, to try to tell them about the blessing. And he said, my oxen uh, and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. And some of you carnivores might be really excited about that type of, uh, about that type of, of, of party. Some of us that are vegetarian, we will go and we will uh, eat what's put before us. Um, but they still ignored, even though he said, this is the benefits of it, they, they ignored the king. Some of them actually not only ignored the king, but they, they persecuted, they, they killed those that the king sent to invite them to the message. Ignoring the invitation has a consequence. The Bible says the king was enraged that he sent his, his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. So, so ignoring the invitation has a consequence. So when the original invite list did not respond to the invitation, the invitation went out even broader, expanded. Again, expanding the idea of that all are invited. And the Bible tells us in, in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 8, he said then to his servants, Matthew chapter 22 and verse 8 again, he said then to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those invited are not worthy. There go, for, there, go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. Just a little pause and a side note here, a point maybe to make and for something for us to ponder. I love how Jesus, the, the king, who represents the Lord, says, now go and invite as many as you can find. And it says they went out and they invited both the what? The good and the, the bad. Everyone was invited. And the Bible says, the Bible tells us that so many guests came that the wedding hall was filled up. One of the things, just a side note that I'm thinking of, 
ever, over and over again, what we see in Scripture time and time and time again is that those people that maybe are defined as bad or that the world would see as bad or, or maybe not fitting in, those people consistently felt comfortable enough to come into the presence of God into the presence of Jesus. And the question for, for us and what I'm thinking about in, in the context of even the series that we are having uh, over the next couple weeks here at our church, the question I have for us, would, would those that the world deems are bad, would they feel just as comfortable responding to our invitations and filling up our halls? Just something for us to think about because they seem always very comfortable with Jesus. And we see here that Jesus calls everyone as they are. This is a beautiful truth. Jesus calls the, the, the bad, and he calls as many as can be found. God calls each of us as we are. He doesn't say to them, first you have to get better, first you have to look better, first you have to live better, first you have to talk better, first you have to think better, first you have to act better. He calls, he says he calls all of them, both the good and the bad. The invitation isn't based on who I am now. The invitation is based on who Jesus is. The call, the invitation is for the good, the bad, and the ugly. They are called, we are called, and they respond. These people, I imagine, they come in droves to this, to this wedding feast. They can't believe the king is actually extending an invitation to them as well, and the banquet hall is full, and it seems like a great celebration. And if the story ended right there, it would be very comfortable for the vast majority of us. It would be very comfortable for the vast majority of us. We love this idea that, that we are called just as we are. But in chapter 22 of Matthew, there is this text then. But when the king came in to look at the guest, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And the man was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. It seems from this statement, it seems from this statement that there are appropriate clothes to wear, not literal clothes, but spiritually there are appropriate clothes to wear to the wedding feast of the Lamb. Now this may seem like a contradiction from what I just said. I just said that God calls us as we are. He doesn't ask us to look better. He doesn't ask us to act better. He doesn't ask us to talk better. He doesn't ask us to straighten ourselves out before we come. And yet now we're saying that, that you have to, to come in and, 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 and be covered in a certain garment and in a certain attire. You know, we've, been, we've all been places where people are not uh, dressed appropriately maybe for the wedding. I've been to weddings where, where other women wear white, and I've heard uh, other women whispering around me, only the bride should wear white, you know, let's... It's not, a, not appropriate. Men t-shirts aren't usually the best to wear to a wedding. A sweater and frayed khakis and Birkenstocks with white sandals are not probably the best to wear to a banquet at the Dayton Racquet Club at the top of Ketter Kettering Towers. But this man not showing up in the right wedding attire was even more of a front in this context. And it seems... I thought Jesus invited all of them just as they were, the good and the bad, and yet now he is being critical of someone and what they're wearing. And, and, and just at a surface reading, it seems like, wait a second, isn't this a contradiction? You invited the bad, but now you're basically saying he has to straighten up before he gets there. And that's what I thought for some time. I, I had a hard time understanding exactly what this text was about. And then as I began to study and I was reading some various things, I read this. 
I read this. Historians believe that for such an event like this, the king would have provided festal wedding robes for the banquet. The king would have provided festal wedding robes for the banquet. In other words, the Lord didn't call, the king didn't call for these people, the good and the bad, to come and say, get yourself cleaned up before you come. You need to go find the right outfit. You need to work this way. You need to do this. No, the king called for these people to come, and then he himself provided the wedding clothes in which they were to arrive. He asked the man, friend, how did you get in here without the wedding clothes? The Bible tells us that the man was speechless. The man was without answer. Why was he without answer? Because he knew he was without excuse. He knew he was without excuse because he knew that the king himself had already provided the right clothes in which he was to wear. Y'all, I believe that too many of us, too many of us have accepted the invitation to the wedding, have accepted the invitation to, 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 to be uh, labeled or titled or, 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 or defined as Christians by society, and yet we have not accepted the most important gift of all, and that is the grace and the covering and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The man receives the invitation. He receives the grace of the wedding clothes, and yet he decides he's going to stay the way he is. There is no change in who he is. Not because he didn't work hard enough or he did work hard enough. There's no change because he has not accepted the grace of the robe of righteousness of Jesus Christ. Even though Jesus has offered to, to cover him, to, to change him, to make him new, he shows up in his own works, in his own practices, in his own character. Ellen White writes, many who call themselves Christians are mere human moralists. They have refused the gift which alone could enable them to honor Christ by representing him to the world. What is that gift? That gift is his grace and his mercy and his covering. The line of demarcation is indistinct. The people are subordinating themselves to the world, to its practices, to its customs, to its selfishness. The professed followers of Christ are no longer a separate and peculiar people. And oftentimes when we hear this in our, in our subculture, separate and peculiar people, we start to get a little bit our dander up because we think this, we're talking about more works and more activity. But I do ask the question, I do ask this question, do people know that we are different? Not by how we necessarily dress or look on the outside, but do people know that we are different from this world in the way in which we live? At a church I pastored previously, one of the previous locations I pastored, my, my church was the recipient of a very sad uh, wake-up call, I would say. There was this Christian nonprofit group that was in the city, and, and it was inviting all of the local churches to come and participate in this um, community service day, they did. They they cleaned up walls that were full of graffiti, and they and they and they uh, would pick up trash, and they'd visit 
nursing homes, and they do all these things. It was a huge thing. And I started hearing from various pastors that I knew and, and other Christians in the community that weren't a part of our faith community. I began to hear from them about how they were going to be participating with this church, the neighborhood church and the neighborhood, uh, the little nonprofit that they had there in this big community service day. And I said to someone, I said, well, who's been invited? And they said, oh, all the Christian churches of the, of the community. And, and I realized that we had not received our invitation. We had not been invited to be a part of this, of this day. And so I asked one of my, one of my staff members who, who knew some people there, I asked them to reach out to them and, and inquire if we could be a part of it and, and um, if we could, we could join them on this community service day. And the, the, the staff member came back and he told me that the individual said, oh, absolutely, we're so sorry. We didn't invite you. We didn't know you were Christians. We didn't know you were Christians. It's a strong little moment. It is not enough just for us to believe that Jesus is not an imposter. It's not enough for us to just believe that the Bible is true. It's not enough even for us to believe that there is no other name under heaven or earth that you'll be saved other than the name of Jesus Christ. We also must receive the true gift of the wedding. And the true gift is not simply the invitation. The true gift is the wedding garment, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is what changes us and makes us different. That is what covers us and makes us different. When we've accepted Christ, we are, are we different enough that people recognize we are followers of Jesus? If you were talking to your coworkers or your neighbors or, or your friends, if you brought up something Christian, they said, oh, are you a Christian? If you said, yes, I am, would they say, yeah, I can see that. That makes sense. Or they, would they say, whoa, I'm, I'm shocked. I had no idea. I had no idea. God indeed calls us to come as we are, but he calls us to, to, to come as we are and to accept his grace so that we do not stay as we are and we are then covered in the robes and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. His grace, his mercy. You see, the man was invited and it wasn't that he didn't accept the invitation, but it was that he refused the wedding garment, the righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 1 and verse 17 says, For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from what? Do you remember this? From first to what? Last. A righteousness that is by what? Faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And then it says in Romans 3.22, This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. It is given. It is a gift. Like Pastor Andrea said, it is not truly a gift if you have to what? Do something for it. It is not truly a gift if you have to do something for it. And the Bible tells us time and time again that it is a gift. And if it is a gift, then we have to understand from first to last, the, the righteousness of Jesus Christ is a gift and is not of our works is not of our works it is a gift there are those that never respond to the invitation to come into the body of Christ 
And we can be critical and we can be judgmental of that lack of coming. But the truth is, is that the man that accepted the invitation but never accepted the grace was just as bad off as those that never accepted the invitation at all. Because it's not that we were invited that changes us. It's not that we know something that changes us. It's that we're covered in the grace of Jesus Christ that changes us. God calls us to be different, not by our works. Now the moment, here is our, here is our, our grace reminder here. The moment that we talk about being different from the world, the moment that we talk about being righteous, which means to live rightly before God, the moment that we talk about, about being changed, immediately there is something inside of us, whether it's conscious or subconscious, probably for most of us it's subconscious, we begin to think to ourselves, what must I do to help God out? What must I do? Maybe I gotta go home and work harder and, and try harder and, and struggle more at this. There is something in us that wants to take control and say, okay, well, what do I have to do? And when I read the scriptures, if you read this parable and you read this moment and you say, man, God threw him out because he had the wrong clothes, that doesn't seem like a fair God. But if you think about it in the context of scripture and you suddenly realize that every time someone is, that, that every time someone is clothed in the wedding clothes of the lamb, in the robe of righteousness, it is a gift of God. When we realize that, when we realize that, we are changed. We are made new in Christ. First and last, the grace comes from Jesus. Whether it be Genesis 3. You remember what happened in Genesis 3? Adam and Eve have sinned. Who covers them? The Lord does, right? Revelation 3, the church of Sardis. To him who overcomes, I will what? I will clothe him in righteousness. From first to last, from Genesis 3 to Revelation 3, time and time again, the one who clothes the individuals, it is a work of the Lord and not a work of ourselves. And everything in between, Zechariah chapter 3, Joshua, the high priest, standing before the Lord, covered in, in filthy, grimy clothes. He smells, he stinks. And the Lord says, remove those clothes from him, and I will cover him in my robes of righteousness. Isaiah 61.10, what we read, we will rejoice because the Lord has clothed us in his righteousness. Time and time again, from first to last, we are covered in the righteousness of Christ, not by our works, but as a free gift of the Lord. Adam and Eve, they did nothing to deserve it. All the way through the scriptures, time and time again, we see this. Brothers and sisters, we can hear the message of Jesus. We can believe the message of Jesus. But if, it do, if we do not accept the grace of Jesus which changes us from the inside out, then we, in fact, are wedding crashers. Because though we receive the invitation, we have not received the ultimate gift, and that is the grace of Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, I pray that we will be covered in your righteousness, not because of our works, not because of anything good that we have done, but because you sent the clothes on ahead. We don't ever have to show up naked. We don't ever have to show up dirty. We don't ever have to show up 
unclean. Because Jesus, the moment you send the invitation, you also send the grace. And if we just accept that grace, which even in of itself is prompted by your spirit, then we are made new in you. We are covered in your clothes. Lord, so many of us hear the invitation. We walk towards the functions of religion, the functions of God. And yet we forget the gift at home, the clothes of righteousness that you give us each and every day. Lord, I pray that each and every morning, each and every moment, that we will allow your grace to cover us. Not because we work harder, not because we strive more, but because we trust you to be the one who can change us from the inside out. In your name we pray. Amen.